Hello, I'm Sandra Gilman, chairman of the American Theatre Wing, with our board president, Doug Leeds. Welcome to today's program. We'll be back later to tell you more about the work of the American Theatre Wing. But right now, please join us for another edition of Working in the Theatre. Whether it's a classic from Tennessee Williams or George Bernard Shaw, or new plays from the best contemporary writers such as Douglas Carter Bean and Sarah Rule, it takes a special talent to bring it to life. I'm Ted Chapin for the American Theatre Wing, and I'm here with four women who definitely have the talent. Time and time again, they've used it to great acclaim, each earning the right to be known as that one-of-a-kind special actress, the leading lady. Please welcome Blair Brown from The Clean House, Blythe Danner from Suddenly Last Summer, Susie Kurtz from Heartbreak House, and Julie White from The Little Dog Laughed. Now, I wanted to clean something up before we, uh, we, we start here. Uh, in this very studio a year or so ago, I had a conversation with Marion Seldes, and I asked her the question, do you like to be referred to as an actor or an actress? And she had, as Marion does, a very particular answer to that question. So I thought I'd pose it to you, you four as well. Anybody want to... hear hers first? No. <laughs> <laughs> I say whatever Marion says. Ditto. Marion said in her, t in her in Marion way, an actress. Oh. I am an actress, yeah. and I just wonder in this day and age where, where you know, I is that in any way an insult? I like actor. I don't know why. Yeah, but, when with I, but with my peculiar name, sometimes people think I'm a man, so, <laughs> but I don't care. <laughs> when I was younger, I, was a I wanted to be an actor. It was a real sort of point, and now I sort of like being an actress. Mm. I don't know why. Just sort of do now. <laughs> it seems, seems like you should be given presents and bonbons and you know you should be oh, sort of yes. pampered. Uh, I think that's. I'd like to go back power. to that sort of actress. And have part. a stage door, Johnny. That's right. Exactly. Whereas an actor I actually sounds like, like to be called Honey and Baby, on. so I'm really setting the foot back about 20 years. Well, it, it certainly is one of the few roles in in, in the theater that that has two names for for men and and, and for women. But mm -hmm. since you see you are four, since you are four women of accomplishment. Um, what about women in the theater? We, you were talking, I heard you talking about directors. Um, are there enough women directors? And if not, why? There are not enough women directors. They're, they're not. I mean, I know a lot of younger women directors who are trying to find their way, but when I think of, of women directors of, of our generation, it was very hard for them to get work. Um, I know Emily Mann, who runs the McCarter mm -hmm. Theater, who went to Radcliffe, and then I knew her at the <coughs> Guthrie when we were girls. You know, she basically uh, was there to get Michael Langham coffee. There was no sense mm -hmm. that she would have something to offer. And so I think uh, that generation, mm -hmm. well, someone older, even like Zelda Fitchhandler, started her own theater. But it's weird that in our generation there aren't a host I'm of good directors. I'm trying to think you know, good yeah. any female director I've worked for. I worked with Pamela Berlin, yeah. who yeah. had, like, a moment. She directed Steel Magnolias uh -huh. in, the, in the late 80s or 90s, and she was supposed to direct a revival of Mr. Roberts on Broadway. And it's like, I thought Pam was going to be the one that broke mm -hmm. in and was, like, mm -hmm. one of the five of the gang that directs on Broadway and it just kind of, I'm not sure not why it didn't happen, happening. but she directs a lot of opera now and, you know, I think also women that, you know, just keep banging your head against a brick wall. I mean, Pam mm -hmm. just finally was like, well, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm going to go and buy me a nice piece of property in Colorado and direct it Santa yeah. Fe and, 
You know, I think... I do think still women directors are held to a higher standard than men. I think there are a lot of male directors that we know who are good but not great Mm -hmm. that continue to work, whereas I can think of some some directors who may not have succeeded, and they seem to then not have opportunities. It seems to have... um, The the, the female playwrights seem to have made a little more inroads than the female directors, Uh, but it's still... You know, to get a woman's play done, to get an American woman's play done... And what are the odds? So hard. Yeah, what are the odds? Exactly. When the clean house was in <coughs> rehearsal, was that not the, the moment where Sarah Rule won a genius award? It's true. The odd thing is, is that I was a, one of the judges on the Susan Smith Blackburn Prize, which <gasps> is a prize given to the oh best play written in English by a woman anywhere in the world. Weirdly, the year that we chose the clean house by, <laughs> by Sarah Rule. The other judges at that time, Jim Houghton, who ran Signature Theater, and Charles Isherwood, who was then the reviewer for Variety. And I remember Charles saying as we looked as we, as the judges got to look at 12 plays, and he said, well, these plays are fantastic. Why don't we ever see them? And you went, <sighs> uh-huh, and then we cut some years later, and you realize now he's part of the problem about why we never see those <laughs> kinds of plays. But uh, I've been a judge on that twice, and, and there are remarkable plays that never get here, you mm-hmm. know? Don't get and I don't know why, but they don't seem to make their way through the regionals back, or certainly to get a one-shot up here. But, but let's talk about female roles, because obviously, you know, y- y- the roles that you are currently represented by um, in, in New York do range from, uh, you know, a short, traditional, perhaps, um, heroine. Um, well, hardly uh, traditional, but yeah. Well, I no, but, but also I mean, but done in a, in a wonderfully modern way. I mean, because yeah. I, I think the director was quoted as saying he didn't want to do Shaw as a history lesson, he wanted to do it as an entertainment. How did that influence your, your diving into that character? Oh, yeah. Well, Robin Lefevre, who directed Heartbreak House, was very, uh, very irreverent. Of, um, he said, forget that it's a period play. Forget it's Shaw. Um, but he didn't say forget it's Shaw. He kept saying it's Shaw <laughs> when we would ask him a question. Well, what do I mean by this? It's Shaw. <laughs> Stand back on your hips and say it. He's Scottish. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it was very much a, a visceral approach of these are real people with real needs. Uh, you know, this could have been written yesterday afternoon as far as the politics and the wisdom mm, that it has yeah, about yeah, men and women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so modern, so contemporary. Shaw was, you know, a genius, mm. and uh, he approached it that way so that we didn't have that sort of presentational kind of style of how oh, these people are talking endlessly. Um, you know, it just isn't a discussion. It's people needing things from each other. That wouldn't hurt me. Perhaps it comes off at night. <laughs> you don't mean to say, Hesione, that your beautiful red hair is off. Don't tell Hector. He believes in it. Oh. Even the hair that ensnared him false. Everything false. Oh, pull it and try. Other women can snare men in their hair. I can swing a baby on mine. <laughs> you can't do that, Goldilocks. No. I had yeah. done the play as, as a young person, and it was inscrutable. I mean, we had a really hard time making sense of it. When I saw this production, I said, ah, this is, it just presented so so clearly and so beautifully. It's really, this one, of course. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And and how did you find Blythe doing a a, uh, Tennessee Williams? Well, uh, I feel I must have lived under his roof in another life or something, because I just love, I've always loved doing Tennessee Williams. I just always have gravitated towards those women. 
I don't know what that says about me. You've done so many of them. <laughs> as loony as they are. But no, they're all quite <clears throat> extraordinary women. You know, they're, oh. they are with great passion and misguided mostly, but, you know, just a tremendous passion. And, and it's just so, so much such a such a great journey every night just to, there's so much to d dig deeper every night there's something that we were talking earlier uh -huh. that you know it's almost like um it's like throwing a ball and you're never quite sure where it's going to come when you're playing with actors who are you know we've now been playing for a good several weeks and so we feel very comfortable with one another and it's just there's so much to unearth in a really beautifully written play a very wonderful play it just seems like there's it's a never-ending flow of good things to, to, to unearth. And you were saying also before when we were talking about you really never stop rehearsing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Opening night. That's the beginning of, yeah. you know, I t four nights ago I turned to Lila Robbins in the play and I said, I think I'm just now figuring out how to play Hazani because <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's a continuing process, a living, breathing, changing yeah. thing. And the richer the writing, I think, the more, the more there is to but so with both those playwrights, it's so deep. I remember working on uh, Camino Real, Tennessee Williams' Camino Real. And uh, on the wall, in one of the stage directions, there's a, a line scratched on the wall from Burnt Norton by T.S. Eliot, which I had never read, so I went, you know, to a bookstore in Williamstown and found this, and then started looking at Proof Rock and some of the poems that I did mm -hmm. know. And then as we're playing this play, even briefly in Williamstown for three weeks, every night other things echoes of T.S. Eliot came mm. up and you thought mm. I never would have put Tennessee Williams and T.S. Eliot together and you think I know he was reading T.S. Eliot when he mm -hmm. wrote mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. and that you don't get in a rehearsal that you only get in the time of playing sure. a play whether other things come up but do you find that there comes a time in the playing of a play if it's a long run for, for example where you there is no more uh, examination to be had and it's it becomes rote and or boring to play or do you find that's you know I did um, I haven't done particularly long runs and sadly I never work for dead playwrights. I always <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, well, we'll get problem. to you in a moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm always doing new plays. Uh, I've done a lot right. of plays by women, um, right. by Teresa Reback. I've had mm -hmm. plays written for me specifically, so they're. It's like, oh dear, I have to dig deeper into myself. And am I really like that? Jeez, oh, But uh, I did Wendy's um, The Heidi Chronicles on Broadway for six months. I replaced Anne Lang back when I was but a mere babe. <laughs> and um, after about four months, I felt that my performance had become so rococo. You know, like you did a bit on a bit on a schneer on a schneer. And what I did was go back and look at the script and go, oh, oh it's just that. Just do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes after you've, you know, you've dug yourself into a big muddy hole, you just need to climb out and start over again. Yeah, it's so true. And right. it was then... But where I was after having played it for four months, by going back to the cleanest, simplest choices each night, was already so rich because it was sort of informed by those four mm -hmm. months of embellishment. But uh, yeah, but it was hard. It was hard doing six months. You know, you get, you do get. It's like a runner. You hit a wall. And yeah, then you, and then you go through to another yes. place. and then it was great. And there are certain nights when you just, you know, you think you're feeling so alive and rich, and you had your B, a vitamin B12 shot, <laughs> and, you know, raring to go. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's like the, the bottomless pit. Once, uh, luckily, yeah. it doesn't happen very often. But that, yeah. that's that's when you when yeah. you sometimes least expect it. It may be the yeah. audience is just, you know, not giving you anything mm -hmm. at all, or another actor's having a. 
I don't, or, or just yourself. It's just you have a nice, uh, everything you do feels false. That's what, it's yeah. like, why am I crossing over there? That's I've done right. it now for six weeks mm-hmm. that way. It's like, that's a stupid thing yeah. to do. That's contrived. Why did I make this choice in yeah. the first place? And now I'm stuck with it because yeah. it's lit that way. <laughs> exactly. I have to go over there or I'm in the dark. Right. <laughs> but it's also what, what makes it so exciting. It is. Because you're just never, you're, you're never quite sure what's going to yeah. happen. And that's what's... So you have to stay on your toes all the yeah. time. So you have to be so alert. Mm. Do directors help? take out the embellishments as they go along or, or it, do you not want them to come by <laughs> after you've opened? I want them to always come by. I want them to give me notes until the closing night. Oh, you're such a good person. You are. <laughs> no, I would say it depends on the director. Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. some give brilliant notes. Yeah. Like Sam Mendes would come back to Cabaret and, you know, it, he would come in and just take you right back, everybody right back to what they mm-hmm. were supposed to be mm-hmm. doing. Other directors will come and mess with you, and it's just kind of like a three-day flu. You have to get their notes out of mm-hmm. your system. Or give you a note on, like, one particular little way you said something. It's yes. like, dude, I'm not thinking that way. You right. know, I mean, Come back another uh, night. Come back yeah. another night. It's yeah. not going to be that. That's mm-hmm. what yeah. it was because something else happened. I mean, it's just all, I don't know. I'm afraid of the ocean, but I'm fascinated by surfers. And those movies about the big wave surfers, the people who surf the really, the giants, there's a movie called Riding Giants Mm -hmm. and another one called Step Into Liquid that you just have to see. And while I was watching it, I thought, that's what we do. Yeah. Because we're doing the Um, same thing. Basically, we're just surfing. We're going out and going mm -hmm. surfing. But you don't know how the wave is going to be. You don't know how you're going to ride it. It's probably going to be kind of scary. But they, you can tell they just get... The way the surfers yeah. would talk about surfing was the way, mm-hmm. you know, you hear people, it's like, if I don't get a job, I'm going to go crazy. You know, when they don't get a break for, for yeah. weeks and weeks and they're not able to surf, they just sort of lose their, their yeah. minds. Mm-hmm. And, and then getting out there and surfing, then when they're finished, they're like, yeah, I feel yeah. good now. Yeah. I always think of it like yeah, really skiing. Good. I'm not a skier, but skiing down a really steep, slippery, dangerous slope you with no poles <laughs> and lots of <laughs> obstacles, and you're just constantly, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, watch out. Whoa, that was a close one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you're going, or just like, I always feel, in previews and opening night especially, like I'm, on the top of a huge cliff and I'm about to dive into this dark water (laughs) (laughs) and I have no guides and I just take a deep breath and go, Go. you know, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of a great high if it goes well. Yeah, Yeah. but it is. It's something that you have to be totally in the moment. So somebody giving you a a note about Mm -hmm. a line reading, to me it's just so crazy (laughs) because you're making the decision in the moment. I mean, we've all done this for a long enough time. I mean, we have the technique that pulls you through you know, da-da-da-da-da-da, and how you listen and, you know, I mean, we know how to do a show, but how it goes down that particular night is always going to have right. this level of, mm-hmm. of imp- like you're saying, you know, you're just feeling it out and mm-hmm. making your way mm-hmm. around that thing and but you I just still do love it. getting notes. I mean, as you say, from a wonderful director, yeah. of course, goes without saying, but I, I just, I... Because that, to me, I, is the part of it that I lust after, is examining every little moment and sort of figuring it out and kind of talking about it. And if we do it this way, it gets one reaction. Except if we don't, if I turn yeah. before the line, it gets another. I, I don't know. To me, that's endlessly fascinating. <laughs> no, but don't you I guess find I, you can well, also just do, do that in the, pl- the plane of it, that the things will arise that you... 
that's that surprise you and take you and and, and help you find new sure. moments that yeah that necessarily. but i guess i just love talking about it and examining <laughs> it and oh man i wanted to ask I julie so i want to ask julie who's, who's playing a rather fierce woman who who mm. addresses the audience yes and is that is that does that help the surfer or is that giving you a, a bigger surfboard or a smaller surfboard well you know i mean it's kind of they're the wave they're sort of the wave. I mean, do I have like three to four foot or six to ten foot swells or do I have like a great tsunami fabulousness coming at me? Yeah. Um, but Because uh, I, I mentioned that I'd seen the, the show Off-Broadway and the audience took a while to get her. Yeah. And when I saw it the other night, they were with her from the from the get go. It's the first line, and they were. And I thought, is it that expectation they've now heard ah. that they should be? Or yeah. I mean, and it was an amazing mm -hmm. ride. You just rode them all night long. Oh, it was really fun. Because also, I'm really kind of despicable, and the things I'm trying to get them to agree with me about, like I put them in a in collusion with me, really to sort of some heinous things. My client, a rising young movie star, who suffers from a slight recurring case of homosexuality <laughs> has informed me that as his date are you possibly seated for this yes <laughs> as his date to this evening's ceremony he would like to bring his mother so that no one will know that he is gay <laughs> the whole audience laughs and like so if you take your mother as a date to an award ceremony, you're gay? That's just terrible thing to get them to agree to. But they just they agree. It's, it's the power, the power <laughs> that yes, you have. Yes, you know, evil, a great dress, and, you know... No, but it's a great character play. you've created who we so believe in and so love and adore. No, you just kind of believe her. That you you yeah. want to take the ride with her. Yeah. That Were you in, involved in the little dog laugh from the very beginning? Yeah, I kind of was. Um, it was originally um, part of the Tribeca Theater Festival. There was just one scene in it that Doug had pulled out and made his contribution to this evening of short plays that all had something to do with Tribeca. And I also did a piece by Robbie Bates and a piece by Wendy Wasserstein. And um, I think Robbie wanted me in his piece, and Wendy wanted me in her piece, and Doug was like, oh, no. Not really white. No, I want someone more hard-edged and tough. I don't want like the nice southern lady. And uh, but but somehow you know he got stuck with me, and um, and you know it worked out. It worked out. So you were in in essence a collaborator on this piece from yeah. the beginning. And so did, did, did and I want to I want to ask the panel too if you've had an opportunity to be part of the creation of a play where a role is in essence created if not for you around you with you. Um, and is, does the, the, the playwright welcome the dialogue or is it no, honey, this is the way you say the lines and be done oh with it? Oh gosh. Well, I wouldn't work for them twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like I say, no dead playwrights for me. I, I have done so much of that. Mm. That's kind of my whole career. Is, um, and they listen it, to you. Is being the person on the, yeah. you know, on the title mm -hmm. page of the, of the published script, which is so fun. Um, 
But I sure wish I'd done some Williams. <laughs> you will. It's not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah you okay. will. Ladies <laughs> are go on and on. Oh, right. Dominable. That's true. Yeah. That's a good thing. Any other experiences of plays that were written that you were the, the people who created the, the role and worked as? Well, speaking of Wendy, uh, Uncommon Women and others, oh, we did yeah. initially up at the uh, Eugene O'Neill Theater Playwright, Playwrights Conference in, in Connecticut. And um, there's definitely a few moments in this play Forgive me, Wendy, but um, there there are a few moments I think that I had some sort of contribution to because Wendy believed in my taste and trusted my sense of whatever my ear, and um, <clears throat> you know we did that play in like three different incarnations and finally did it for television. So yeah, definitely there were moments of that uh, of a co co creation. Sure. Um, and and I've done like you mostly new plays my yeah. whole career, so there's been a lot of a lot of that I've experienced, and I love it. I love being in it. I do too, and I've got a real ear now for what doesn't need yeah, to be in the play. Exactly. M that's mm -hmm. a big. That's a big skill of mine. It's like you know, this is a great line, but I'm not. Let's not be married to it. Right. We, we don't really yeah. need it. Right. Because and, and then keep the, the story great, Then the really good stuff becomes great yeah. because it you don't have all that. You don't have too much stuff in between. It's sort of okay. But that would be the hardest thing as a writer to edit, man. To to kill any of to your, kill your babies. babies. I know. Oh. Yeah, you have to. But even with Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, George. <laughs> you took a scissors, yeah. Oh, you cut, oh, did you yeah. cut did the you really? production? Cut the whole burglar scene, lifted oh, it right oh, out. Oh, that's right. We'd still be there if. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, George could talk. He could talk and write. But yeah, I mean, definitely, that was one thing that sold me on doing it was Rob and the director said cut 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 we're going to cut because it's it's so long and and what was interesting is I found out that Shaw directed the first production of this uh -huh. and so when That's I heard that plan. it yes. all <laughs> fell into place who am I but all due respect but he didn't <laughs> have an editor he yeah. didn't have a shaper saying George you know what we could go right from here to here and it'd be even better and lift this out and put that line somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, with new plays, you definitely, it's not great when playwrights direct new, their own and plays. Yeah. They, they're missing a whole voice it, there. Yeah, exactly. And you as an actor have that the problem of not having that other channel right. to it's talk it's about the play. So and was, was the, the clean house, it was a new play to New York, right? It was a new but play to New York, and it had been done six or seven times around the country. And it had been done in England as well. So no, it was pretty well. Although Sarah was with us for all the rehearsals, and we'd tinker and, and tune in that way. One of the things I found fascinating about it is you and Jill Claiborne, who, who play sisters, and they're very different characters. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun to switch? We talked about mm. that. We thought, well, in the second year, when we're running this, we'll do, <laughs> we'll do a sort yeah. of Othello and Yaga. We'll switch <laughs> night after night. Yeah, we thought that would be fun. Because one thing I like is that in, I had seen a couple of productions of this play before, because after we'd given it the prize, sure. we thought, <coughs> do we make a mistake? So I drove to Philadelphia and New Haven to see the play, um, never thinking I would do it. But it was... Uh, one thing that was interesting was to cast the sisters so that you would think that there was a moment when they were the same person. They could have been the same person. It's more interesting, I think, if you do that rather than have one kind of earthier and one more sort of uptight. I will not let you clean my house just because the maid is depressed. She's not depressed. She doesn't like to clean. <laughs> <laughs> it makes her sad. Uh, is that true? Yes. Uh, so, then why? I don't know. Oh, you looked through my things. Not really. I find this 
incomprehensible. Can I do a nice thing for you without having a motive? No. Well, you have better things to do than clean my house. Like what? Well, I like what? I don't know. No, you don't know. Oh, it's nice to work with a peer. A female peer, yet never, rarely, rarely happens. I know. It's like you can be, now you're, one is the older woman and they're younger women, but you rarely get to work with, to, mm -hmm. you know, someone who's your own kind of time and kind, and it's really fun. It's really fun because yeah. you've got so much experience and you can just trust each other and just knock things around it's in a way that's, that's so much rare. more fun. It's I mean, so Cherry and I had it in Imaginary Friends, but how often do you get that, you know, two no, and wonderful and leading lady roles in one Piece. It's well, we only had it on television. I was going to say, we, I was going to yeah, bring exactly. that up. No, darling, you oh, were the leading No, well, we, those <laughs> scenes, believe me, those were. Well, let's talk about that. that this, this, you're talking about Huff, <clears> I believe, <throat> the, 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 the well loved, um, if yeah. too short lived television show. But did you get to work? You were both on it. Did well, you get to yeah, work together? Yeah, and the thing is, here we are in this business. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I'm older than probably everybody here, but the fact is, we're maybe close. It's really so close. great to be able to. to you're always saying either auditions or passing to mm -hmm. the theater. That's hello, that's hello. Your but auditions. you never get to really know anybody. I mean, I don't. And, I'm, and, I, and I, so it's been such a gift to, to know. We would Spoons get to be because we had some great scenes together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when we were still bonding. <laughs> no, but this really was know so brilliant. Uh, like. Huff, my God. No, no but it your, was, we had some, creation we had of Izzy. some good scene, really good scenes so together. Brilliant. Yeah, we, we did. It. We both had, had we some juicy, juicy we did. stuff. We kept to do. asking for more stuff to do together. Yeah, but there was. Yeah. Well, in that way, television is kinder uh, in terms yeah. of offering yeah. women a lot more interesting roles. Yeah, television is great, great, great for source women. for a and lot of that. And now with cable too, it's such a gift because mm -hmm. you know there and you know how many things are written for people our age. Exactly. Well, on that note, let's take a pause and hear a little bit more about the work of the American Theatre Wing. The American Theatre Wing has played a vital role in New York's theatrical life for more than 60 years. We stand for excellence and we support education in the theatre. Best known for creating the Tony Award, our work reaches beyond Broadway and New York. These seminar programs, which are supported by the Annenberg Foundation and the Dorothy Strelson Foundation, are an unequaled forum for discussions with today's most creative artists. Downstage Center's in-depth interviews are heard on XM Satellite Radio. Our grant and scholarship programs support New York theater companies and theater students. And since we began, we have given away more than two and a half million dollars. Our theater intern group helps young people who are just starting in their careers build a professional network. And Springboard NYC is a two-week boot camp for aspiring actors from colleges across the country. All of the American Theatre Wing's educational and media programs are available for free, on demand, from our website, americantheaterwing.org. Now, let's return to the seminar. was a scene from a revival of Follies with Blythe Danner, which was, if I'm correct, uh, your first Broadway musical? I had done a Broadway musical that never got to Broadway called <laughs> Mad Harry when I was a kid. It closed, really? from, it closed out of town. And uh, have, no, haven't done, well, I've heard, did stuff to my voice and couldn't sing for a long time. 
still really can't, but I just got up there and said, I'm voice. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so much fun being carried around by the guys. And, <laughs> and, you know, just, oh, I, I never had such a good time. Yeah. It would be fabulous. The sort of regal leading lady letting her hair down. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun. And others have done musicals. Now, Susie, you were working with Michael Bennett, were you not, on a musical that never made it? Uh, exactly. Yeah. So it was slightly like yours, but not quite as far along what as What was that? Uh, it was called Scandal, and it's um, when we did that TV movie together. Um, oh. I was working on Scandal with Michael Bennett for a year. And I was the leading lady, and I was singing and dancing and being carried about by the... It was just thrilling beyond belief. We did uh, four workshops, not the kind that people come to, but just, you know, in-house workshops. And it was just, you know, working with this genius every day. It was uh, an experience that I wouldn't have traded for the world. Uh, it was heartbreaking when it all... when he became ill, and, uh, but wasn't telling anybody, so we didn't know the reason, and he shut yeah. it down, and that was that. But we found out later why. But it was just an amazing experience. Yeah. But w was about so yeah. I was going to say, was there a, enough of a show there that, that could ever be resurrected, or was it still in, in, a, in, a, in an early stage? Oh, no, it was, it was a pretty much um, uh, almost there. There were a couple songs left to be written. Um, Treva Silverman wrote the script, and Jimmy Webb was writing the music. And, you know, we had the best dancers in New York, and um, it was um, pretty amazing. But... I don't know if it could ever be, hmm. you know, I don't know. But I know both of, we were just talking about that before we started again, that, that um, they both have d worked in musicals too, and there's something liberating, isn't there? Really? Mm. The singing, um, opening that voice, yeah. especially as actors, you know, and having done things where, where you have to be so precise and there's just something so yeah. so liberating so the overture every every oh, performance yeah. Yeah. yeah you come in you're wet it's uh, it's it's february or it's beautiful right. summer night and you're going to the theater <laughs> and all and then you hear the music and it's like it's all gone it's just mm -hmm. all gone you're just and there the yeah. physicality yeah. of dancing too yeah mm -hmm. just that that's so alien to us mostly what, what we do most of the time which is, is acting it's just there's it's another animal and it's just I envy people who do it a lot because yeah. it's so... Yeah, because as actors, yeah. we're so... I mean, all that emotion gets so bottled up. We're so yeah. working with our emotions all the time, which can be very <laughs> stressful, so you know. And uh, it's so sort of... Dis well, not, not that it's not disciplined to sing and dance, but I mean... You work <laughs> off and stress yeah. a little more than... Well, also talking about running shows, we were, we were just saying, you know, the thing about when you're in a musical, the, it goes, it runs. You tag, you fly with it, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. it keeps it you, you fresh in ways that you, you know, I, when I was doing Cabaret, there's a great book there, right, because it's from oh, a yeah, play. Sure. Um, but that part could kind of get bent out of shape after a while. And so Sam Mendes would come in and remind us, this is what you're doing, this yeah. is what you want, this is what this is about. But of course, the rest kind of went on its path. So that was an interesting kind of combination. Yeah, of the because the, the musical rhythm is such a discipline. And yeah, in a play, you, you can, you know, the timing is always different. Mutable, uh, yeah. negotiable. Yes, That's we were right. frozen. We would always check how long the first act was. By, by seconds, we would time ourselves. Oh, a little slow yeah, tonight. Yeah. We've got to pick up the pace. No. <coughs> stay ahead of them, stay ahead of them. Whereas right. in a musical, yep. there's no it's choice. So the conductor is taking them along. Right. It's right. right along with you. Yeah, it's wonderful. So, so you have all done musicals. You have done straight plays. Mm -hmm. You have done television. And you have done movies. Mm -hmm. Which of those is you, what would you say is your favorite? Or do you, do you like being able to do all four and hop back and forth? I do now. When I was younger, I hated film. I found it so intimidating. I just didn't want... That to be there at all. Oh, it was awful. But now that I'm 
old. I like it. <laughs> I like it all. Bring it all. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's funny bringing it up, listening to you guys talk about musicals, because I had that. You know, do you have to take a nap before your show? Mm -hmm. Okay, nap dreams are the worst. <laughs> like you wake up and they're really vivid and they've just been horrible the last few days. And the last one I had was something about this musical, and I had to start the show and <laughs> sing this note, and I couldn't hit it, and I was like. Yeah. Uh, what do you want it? How is it supposed to visit my head? You know, that head, voice, chest, you know, all yeah, that, that stuff yeah. about singing. Yeah. And I realize I have a lot of anxiety <laughs> about <laughs> singing. Oh, yes. And I think that also my character is just so, I mean, she brays. She's so loud. She's really sort of the voice. And my voice is tired a lot of the time. And I guess maybe I, that's what the worry is, but I think that's the part about the musical that would freak me out. Oh, yes. Is the actual producing a yeah. lovely and pleasing noise. But you know, in, in Follies, there was a note I never could hit, and I, at first I was so upset about it, and then I just, hell with it. Yeah. Just <laughs> leave it out there, and all, if it comes out, it doesn't. But I, got, I would love doing everything else so much that I just sort of didn't care. I, I wanted to ask a, a little bit about the, the, the business of, of the theater. I mean, uh, th there is a story going around that in order to get uh, the little dog laugh a theater, you, you had to m have audience with Gerald Schoenfeld. Uh, <laughs> is this yeah. an apocryphal story, or is no, this true? I did. Uh, but I figured I had to do it, because it would turn into such a great sort of seemingly apocryphal story. Right. All I did was, Jerry just didn't know our show. He hadn't seen it. He didn't, he had no like face to put with it. It wasn't British. It sounded like it was just about <laughs> gay people. And they couldn't get into like see us or something. And well, I was in town for something. So I was in, the show had closed and I was in town yeah. for something else. And they just called and said, will you just for 15 minutes, just go in and talk to this guy and see if, you know, maybe that will I don't know. So I just put on my best Austin, Texas girl and went in there and just visited with him and kind of told him what the show was about in sort of a quick and slightly huckster-ish way. And Excellent. he was like, okay, you know, we'll give you the court. Was like, cool. Oh, wow. I see you the must court. Have been good. Yeah, truly. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't have to do any of the play. You just no, no. I just it. kind of described it, and I told him that it wasn't like at the end. I stuff all the gay people back in the closet and marry them off, and <laughs> and uh, you'll love it. So Jerry. Happy ending. <laughs> yeah, happy ending. <laughs> and, um, uh, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and the, and it it just did happen to. I mean, he says that he had already decided. And but it started life at the second stage which is an institutional theater and, yeah. and if, if, if you if you take that part of Little Dog Left the shows that you are all in are at institutional theaters in New York. Wow, do you, that's do you, true. Do you think that's, yes. I don't want to say where the good work happens, but do you, do you think it's somehow liberating to do, to be able to do a, a, a wider range of work at the institutional theaters? Thank God. Yeah. 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 There's no such thing say. as a, I mean, we're. Broadway's about real estate. And you it's know about how real estate long you're going to run, like you know, yeah. even oh, if you get bad reviews right. or whatever, you you've got that chunk of time. And Where else would you see Tennessee Williams or Shaw? Right. I mean, on Broadway, uh, in a well, first class yeah. production. Especially the, uh, suddenly last summer, which is a more obscure oh, and very exactly. strange play. You know, right. it's not the streetcar or. Or um, Glass Menagerie. It's 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 a much. Todd Haynes happens to love the play, and he's been wanting to, to revive it. People didn't refer to us as hmm, Sebastian and his mother, or Mrs. Venable and her son. They said 
Sebastian and Violet. Violet and Sebastian are staying at the Lido. They're at the Ritz in Madrid. Sebastian and Violet, Violet and Sebastian, have taken a house in Via Ritz for the season. Every appearance, every time we appeared, attention was centered on us. Everyone else eclipsed. Vanity, oh, no, Doctor. You can't call it that. Well, I didn't call it that. It wasn't folie de grandeur. It was grandeur. I see. An attitude toward life that's hardly been seen in the world since the great Renaissance princes were crowded out of their palaces and gardens by successful shopkeepers. Do you find that not-for-profit theaters invite you to productions? Do they ask you what shows you'd like to do or, heaven forbid, do they ask you to audition? I mean, if Todd I wants to do... I don't mind auditioning, but I haven't had too, well, too much no, lately. But no, no I, I actually um, had lunch with Todd, and he said, funny that what we're thinking of doing suddenly last summer, would you be... I said, yeah. You know, that's sort of how that happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never get the lunch, <laughs> but you get the call, and that's yeah, all I mean, that matters, Yeah, he asked really. me call. to do things, but yeah. I've never gotten any food with it, yeah. Yeah. so it's very yeah. much... The yeah. times I know I've had to audition in the last few years have been for British directors who simply just don't know oh, right. a lot of you, and I would rather audition for mm -hmm. them than have a meeting. Because I just think yes. meetings are so strange. I'm not one of those people that mm -hmm. says, oh, I don't read. It's like, no, I would rather read. Let's mm -hmm. just get on with it and see right. how And if you're nothing like the character, together. how do you... Yeah. Well, precisely, that's, the, that's yeah. the other thing. You think, I remember years ago, um, uh, there was a movie that I was up for, and they said, well, the director just wants to meet. So I met with this Irish guy, and he was coming to New York. So I was telling him where to live and, you know, what restaurants to go to. And I got this call back, and they said, well, you're not quite right. And I said, why? They said, well, he just thought you were too nice. And I thought, oh. okay, well, I well, could have been different, exactly. and now I will be when yeah. I see this guy. I'll be very different. I'll yeah. be much less nice when I see him a second time. But you just sort of thought, and that was the end. I thought, from now on, I read. I don't. Yeah. I would just rather for yeah. who doesn't I don't know mind you. Auditioning at all. I, I auditioned for Festin mm -hmm. for that play. <coughs> um, I didn't get it just as well. <laughs> yeah. I liked that play. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. I read it. I liked it. I didn't see it. I got so. I get so annoyed with. Critics, I don't I, because you know they often will deny pub, the public a really wonderful production, mm, yeah. and it's just one opinion, yeah, and yeah. I, it just makes me livid. Part of what what you mentioned in passing there were, were British directors, and, um, and I, I think you had said earlier that the late Jerry Gutierrez used to say that the Tony Awards, yeah. everyone was you know the British whatever. That's right. Yeah. Um, but but auditioning is is auditioning for them a different process? Is their process? a lot different than Americans, or is well, it a case-by-case -case basis? It is. I mean, it is. And But I was trained in an English manner. I went to, uh, uh, Michelle Saint-Denis set a school up in Montreal that was bilingual that was before he set up Juilliard. So it was that English training. So that's the way I knew how to work from the outside in. And my first job was at Stratford, Ontario, and I, I had sort of done that and went to the Shaw Festival. And so that, that's what I was used to. So in a weird way, generally, I prefer English directors because I find they're <gasps> more pragmatic. There's less kind of mystery and mm. like process. It's just kind of like we're building something together, right? <coughs> building a house or making right. a pair of shoes. And it's about mm. craft. And I've learned more from them about like bad habits. They'll say, you know what you tend to do? You tend to, you know, 
kind of let us know before you make a noise it lets us know before you say what you're saying but it was like <gasps> oh it's like act on the line mm. now I, yeah I remember that from when I was very young like doing mm -hmm. and I found out because huh. I direct as well I, f I find there's a real I think I think American acting is sort of in trouble a little bit one because there is so much television and film and that so many actors just know how to do naturalistic acting and don't know how to take it to the next place and aren't even interested and think it's the same, which isn't helped by the fact that right. Julia Roberts comes on Broadway and they find, oh, it doesn't work. You think, no, it works one way or the other. It worked but financially. It worked financially. But that it's very, I think it's very hard for American actors to look at the structure of a scene, the structure of a play, to know that like it's an yeah. orchestral piece and mm -hmm. what note do we play. It's all like, well, my character wouldn't do this, and I don't know. And it's like, I, you know, I find that rubbish. I just really do. It's like, your character is made up. You're making it up, the playwright making it up. Right. It's all, your character can actually do anything. And it's not it, really all that important for them to know what you are feeling no. at every second. Right. Right. No, no, David no. Mamet wrote this great thing. It was applying to playwriting, but it, it certainly uh -huh. applies to acting as well. There's one thing the audience wants to know. What happens next? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get yeah. on right. with it. Tell yeah. the story. Right. Tell yeah. the story. That's this, yeah. What did Ellen Burstyn say? I didn't. I didn't. Mm. I kept missing it. People keep saying, "Well, I don't know." There was something in the news about, about Ellen Burstyn saying that there were the, the American acting was in trouble, and I was wondering oh, about it. But I, I didn't hear the specifics. I don't yeah. know what that huh. was of that. Because I think but one of the things I know from British directors, and I don't know if you've had this experience as well, they're off very thrilled to work with American actors because we have so much available, mm -hmm. you know, and we're not kind of hidebound um, in, in that regard. I so I think that's interesting yeah. that we can bring much more passion often to classical material and English material right. mm -hmm. than they're used to having more genuine passion, not mm -hmm. oh, passion, and, and yeah. that that's a kind of thrilling combination. Yeah, I studied in London. Also, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Lambda, yeah. And Lambda, exactly. But uh, Brian Cox, who was there when I was there, mm, uh, yeah. came to Heartbreak House, and he and several other English people have been to Heartbreak House, and they've said the same thing, which is very generous of them. They've said, "We love this. This cast is all American, and 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 you guys get you get everything, but you also get the heart yeah. and yeah. the sexuality." Which you know they themselves said we don't think we get as well. So that mm -hmm. was that was nice. To well, look at Coast of Utopia, that Stoppard play that's now upstairs at Lincoln yeah. Center. I mean, well, I never Americans saw the one in England, but everyone I know said, yeah, it was good. It was, it was hard. <laughs> and now here, and this is like, oh, I mean, the uh, so I've just vibrant. seen the first one. The first act is like, I think this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Your heart's just pounding out of your chest because there are all those yeah. actors that are just. Phew, telling stories. What can be done to encourage future generations of really good American a actors? Bring back more repertory companies. Yeah. I mean, yes, as, that's a, exactly as a kid, right. I went from yeah, theater company Boston to Trinity Square Playhouse mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to, um, mm -hmm. I can't remember where, and, and we had a chance. We just, exactly. we did. That's we what did. I did. I worked for years outside New York in all kinds of repertory before yeah. I ever worked in New York. Yeah. I played forever. Buffalo. You, you learned uh, by Me dreams. too. I played Winnipeg. <laughs> and Louisville and someplace in spots. Pennsylvania and yeah. Seattle rep and but those I did that from when, when I was like from 21 to about 26 I just mm -hmm. was out of town mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. the time right but now okay. if you come out of school at 21 you're going to LA that's and right. your that, agents are putting right. you yeah. in mm -hmm. you know you can make a lot a ridiculous amount yeah. of money for yourself right. and for them in television. I didn't even think about film and television. I only no. thought oh, about the theater. No. That was yeah. where my heart was, and that's what pulled I, me. And I, 
I just wanted to play different people. But I think now, you come people. out of school now, and yeah, it's it a very, really is a different world. Different also, there world. weren't stars when, um, when I was young. There weren't stars of any sort that were 19 and 20 and 22. No, and, right. You know, yeah, you kind of thought, oh, I'll You got oh, to be a star when you were about 30, 30 or 35. Yeah, you're 30, yeah. That's when kind of you just assumed you would be a star then, when you've done all that work <laughs> right. then, you know, of with course, that sort of arrogance. Yeah. But it was interesting. You did think, I would have to work for some time before yes. <laughs> I merit this gift. But it is true. The agents can just push these young kids into wanting to be a star in a series. Well, and I mean, back then, you know, you didn't do television. That's you right. really didn't. Yeah. I mean, when I was just a few years ago, you know, nobody wanted a pilot or a series. And now, you know, we all want it. Also, I never heard the phrase when I was younger, my agent said I can't do this or I, sh I shouldn't do this. It was like, oh, right, huh? no. You used to be that actually your agent worked for you, uh, since you're paying them 10%, and you kind of figured this out and you would talk about it, but there wasn't a sense of that right. the agent was your authority figure. Mm. But did, certainly did you so managers, everybody, yeah. these yeah. young mm -hmm. people, I've yeah. never had a manager, I don't know if you have, but I'm always amazed that they have a manager and an agent and oh, yeah. don't make a step until they consult yeah. the, the firm. So yeah. is the responsibility on your shoulders as a young actor to figure it out for yourself? What's your career? To be bold enough to say to the agent, no, you know, let me do a little theater and work in the theater to teach. Let me get my craft. Let me get, let me get the, in my bones, you know, what, what, what to do. The technique. Because you can go training. from the theater to film, but to go from the film to the theater isn't necessarily as easy. Well, what do you bring? I mean, unless you're a very extraordinary performer, you don't have... Yeah. A craft to bring. The chops. Mm -hmm. I yeah. guess, because I know, you know, a lot of younger people that are kind of trying to navigate that road. Mm -hmm. And you just have, you, they just like boldly and bravely make time for the theater. A young actress, Emily Burgle, that I did fiction with at mm -hmm. um, the Laura Pels. Had, you know, I mean, if her agents had her way, she'd just be in TV. She's doing Men in Trees now, but she wanted to do Touch of the Poet so bad. And Todd, you know, let her do it. And she came and did that play on Broadway and doing the show with me at the Laura Pels. She just made theater, has made theater a priority in her life, you know? Mm -hmm. And you just have to do it, yeah. I think. I mean, and not, because it's easy to be lazy. Because doing a play is work, you know, mm -hmm. everyday work, not like Six days going a week work. To, <laughs> the, to the place where they just have a lot of free purses and you pick them out. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of your L.A. day-to-day -day work. And if you have a series or something and coming here and doing this, Johnny Galecki, who's in our play, is a young actor that could just be sitting on his laurels and uh, being in LA and make plenty of money and but he wants to do this play and man he gets there and gets the theater geez he has such dedication I feel like a, a slacker next <laughs> to him he gets there you know an hour and a half before and getting himself Warm into top, the character mm -hmm. and you know really just with such dedication so I think there are a lot of younger actors who are have that who really, really mm -hmm. want to have the, the skills and the technique to be able to go on and on. and Being after your whole life. That's yeah, but you know, we do yeah. see that this, the, our weird kind of tabloid, we do see a lot of stuff in the day to, that comes up in our faces constantly about people who are not that way. And maybe they are the people Ellen is referring, mm -hmm. are referring to. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of real hard work and oh, actors definitely. out there. Blythe, what, what mm -hmm. you had said earlier that when, when you were younger and you did 
movies you didn't like it. What didn't you like about well, it? Well, you know, f for me, it's I have to be very physical. I don't feel comfortable unless I can really use my mm -hmm. my body, my instrument. <laughs> somebody, I, somebody I know was was having a was in on it when Anne Bancroft and um, Mel Brooks were having a fight, a good family friend, and having a big argument, and she. And he came over to her. She wasn't going to touch her, but he just, she just said, don't touch my instrument. He said, oh, yeah, let me hear you be play Begin, Begin, the Begin on it. But, yeah, so for me to be so contained and have to hit a spot, I could never oh, hit my marks. marks. Directors oh. would get so angry with me, and I'd get so uptight, and I'd just get tighter and tighter and tighter, because I just, you know, and I, I just felt it was very tense. So it just took a lot of years to live in the body and get learn to be more. Because I remember when I worked for Alan Arkin, one of, one of the things that he liked about making movies as an actor was that you were putting, you, that you had to conceive the entire role, and then you were doing piece 12, and then piece 47, mm -hmm. and then piece 6. Yeah. You well, know, he and I remember that. as he explained it, I thought, this sounds like madness to me. Yeah. But he thought, he, to him as an actor, that was an additional challenge that mm -hmm. he liked. Mm -hmm. But if you're theater trained... It is madness, yeah, it is. But I go along with Blythe. I'm a big one for body English, and I love the expressing who the person <coughs> is through the whole body very often. Yeah. I mean, not every second, but, you know, it, it's hard not to do that. Did you also have any influence on your costume in Heartbreak House, which I thought was absolutely outrageous <laughs> oh, and wonderful. So wonderful. Oh, yeah. I actually, um, Jane Greenwood, who is a genius, mm -hmm. uh, uh, had this concept about Hesione, my character, that she would not change for dinner. Uh, the other ladies all came with their yeah. little suitcases, so of course I lived there. Hesione's very unconventional. She wouldn't care about changing for dinner, and that was fine with me. She, Jane made me this beautiful costume for the whole show. And then we were two weeks into previews, and she came back one night. She said, you know, I just sat out there and watched the whole thing, and I'm bored with that red dress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make you a new dress. And she said she called the roundabout, and after they fainted on the floor and picked themselves up, because I guess it's, it costs <laughs> that was so much money. Pleats are expensive. Oh, expensive. my God. Um, she made me this amazing dress, which helped me actually play the character. That's sort of the outside-in mm -hmm. things that, yeah. that yeah. happens. And yep. I realized I could work it, you know, work the body from underneath that dress. Mm -hmm. and because I'm flirting with all these men and I have them all on the string and, and just because Hesione is that way and very sensual and it really helped me to, um, to get there. Are, are there any roles that you have played <laughs> in your past that you think w w that, that you left unfulfilled and you'd like to go back and have another shot at them? Mm. Prospera. I did Prospera <laughs> in The Tempest I, uh, the, and I want another shot at that. It's a great part for a woman. Mm -hmm. And wow. it's a very different thing when it's a mother who's preparing <coughs> a daughter to go into the world than a father. Yeah. Mm. And it's very different for a woman to be a torturer um, yeah. than for a man. It was wow. very unsettling for people to see. And this was before wow. Lindy English and Abu Grave and that sort of thing. So wow. now you'd have to have Caliban or Ariel brought out on a leash to really mm. remind people God, of how scary. Because yeah. when it's a man, you just kind of expect men to be badly behaved, <laughs> and it's no big deal. But if it's a woman, it's very upsetting. Wow, if you get to do it again, will you let us know? Because I want <laughs> yeah. to kind of see, <laughs> see that. I would, I would love to, to see that. Yeah, but yeah. can you, um, since you're now at Lincoln Center Theater in a play, is that the kind of idea you could uh, trot upstairs and knock on the door? I think they like to do things that are that uh, unconventional, you know? I mean, if it was Vanessa Redgrave, yes, they would probably do it. But, uh, you know, that's 
kind of daring for them. Or would you There's find another kind of theater, I think, to do it. You never know till you ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or would you find a director that you might uh, suggest? Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm -hmm. There's a young, actually, there's an American director I know who lives in England named Daniel Kramer, who just did this Wojciech down at oh, yeah. St. Anne's Warehouse, who's just a visionary guy, wow. really. Meh. But he's American, and he's gone over there because he thought, why would I want to stay in New York where the best job I can get is to be, what, Dan Sullivan or Joe Mantella's assistant for five years, and then what? Get a reading somewhere. <laughs> so oh, he took God. himself off, and he's now an associate director at the RSC. And oh, wow. He's sort of invented himself, which when we were talking earlier, I thought that's what's changed in the business, is everybody, whether it has to be more entrepreneurial, mm -hmm. designers, directors, yes, writers, mm -hmm. the boundaries, like that you go in to make that happen, that to get that yeah, theater. Get that's what it is. You can't actually rely yeah. on producers to do that, and directors can't, playwrights can't, playwrights have to call and it's mm -hmm. true. And make things happen. That's what's different. When we kind of came in, it was like there were slots. Things you know, were decided and for you. And but now it seems, I think probably so this true. is what sort of it was more like in the very beginning of theater. Yeah. When, you know, but by the 20th century when it got established, we, there was an order. So I think we're kind of going back. That's true. To something. When we did Frozen Downtown at MCC, and then it just was like, you know, the second coming, and people said we had to move. What well, was all great to say we had to move, but we didn't have the money. And... I mean, this is so, I can't believe I did this. I got on the phone, and I personally raised a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> right. I mean, that is so not me. <laughs> I could never do, do that it? for myself, but this play was something yeah. bigger than all of us, and it was like... But what did I you say to people? I, I, I called people I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It was fine. I said, it's fine if you say no, because I only need a few people to say yes. And I just thought I'd get, I'd help a little bit. I'd help right. with the calls, because we had right. a week off or something. We literally opened hours before the Tony deadline. It was like, we have to, if we don't get that theater, if we don't, everything falls into place right, by right. this moment, yeah. it's God. not going to happen. Jeez. I thought, please, more people have to see this play. It's so... We were passionate yeah. about it. Too. I was passionate about, passionate about it. It was like doing something for a child or for yes, someone right. else. It, about had, you. Yeah, yeah. it was so beyond, you know, me mm -hmm. asking. I, I would never have that nerve to call someone up and ask for me. Uh, but it was amazing. I mean, I got like fifty thousand here, hundred thousand, and and yeah. and suddenly I realized what I had done, and it was like, you know, but that. Yeah. Uh, then did you feel really terribly right. responsible when you were mm. out there performing? Like you had to make those people's money back for them? Well, she did. <laughs> well, I don't know about the money. We got yeah, the, the prestige, but no, I, I didn't because I believed in it so much. I just, I knew, I already knew that it worked from downtown, right. and we just had to find the right theater, and I just wanted it to keep running, yeah. like you right. do your show, yeah. you know, yeah, like, yeah. oh, please, on, yeah. hang in there, you know. Right. So, so y y you felt a kind of power you didn't think you had? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I wasn't going after power, but it was. I realized, oh my God, when I believe in something so much, mm. look at how empowered I am. And what I can do, because mm. if anybody had said, "Do you think you can do that?" I went, oh, "No, me. That's no. I don't do that." Mm. Yeah, no, like you said, we, right, yeah. we are. Everybody's doing things outside their little uh, niche. niche. You know, right. yeah. yeah. There I was being a producer. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So I wonder if you if you ever have felt. I mean, you felt powerful there. Have you felt powerful in uh, other times that you could do something that you cared that much about, or? Or oh. subject to somebody else's working battle. Not in the theater, working in the environment. Yeah. That's been yeah, I was going to say, politically, politically, politically yeah. that, that's a good power to have. Yeah. And, and, and to take your, your, the, the, sort of the celebrity from the, from the a as an actor and apply it to a politically or a, a world mm -hmm. of a politics or, or like social that. issues. Yeah. Speaking of power, I mean, every time you walk on stage. Yeah. That's yeah. the great power. You have a story yeah. to tell. You know, and if it's on the good really night, it's a story you want to tell. That's a really powerful thing. Yeah, and it's, it's so much responsibility on stage, it's really up to you. 
when you walk out there? As I've, mm -hmm. as I've grown up, um, I feel like one of the only powers I have is the power to say no. And, but when I was a younger girl and growing up in, you know, in the oh. South and in the Baptist church, you just didn't say no. People <coughs> said jump, you jumped, right. you know, high, high, mm -hmm. higher and highest. And that's been an interesting thing oh. to me, like learning, because there are things that have happened that are in this business that are not pretty. Mm -mm. And realizing that if I'm in a bad situation <coughs> with people behaving badly, I don't have to stay. You know, I have the power to, to say no, to mm -hmm. say, mm -mm, this isn't for me, this is my life. I will pick mm -hmm. and choose what I do to put myself in, a, in situations that, I will, that will help me grow and be a better person and et cetera, et cetera. So that's been kind of a, the power that mm. I feel I've come into is just the power not to try and be all things to all people. To please. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know? I know. Just it's funny that because we are in a pleasing profession. Yes. But I know it's, I feel that way too. I was yeah. raised by a Southern mother, but I think that's a lot of women's well, journeys is being able to not please. Absolutely. And it's a weird combination because we are in a, now I know you really love me, profession. Right. But yeah, <laughs> actually it makes you stronger as a yeah, woman. Yeah, like now if I walk into a room and I get a bad yeah. vibe, it's like I don't want to work with you people for five years, then I I won't. Yes. You exactly. Know? Mm -hmm. and, uh, That's great. Yeah. So we all, I mean, we're very all different ages, but we, <coughs> I think, all grew up as women wanting to please and being very accommodating. Yeah. Right. You get too accommodating. Yeah, yeah. And we have to learn to say, no, the power you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have the power to choose here. Personal power. And say, this is not acceptable. Yeah. You know. Well, because the great thing about our profession is we get to fold in all of the things that happen to you, all the good and all the bad, yeah. and make it useful. Mm -hmm. Useful to yourself and to other people viewing it. And they don't know what it is. They don't know what's autobiographical about what you do night yeah. after night. But that is an incredibly great gift to have. There are not many professions that do that. Oh, you can you know? use all that yeah. life experience That's and right. suffering yeah, and right. disappointment and whatever. And just fold it in and it's useful to somebody else to watch you be funny, to watch you mm -hmm. be tragic, to watch, you know, mm -hmm. to watch you be passionate, to watch a woman with a stroke. You don't know what you're doing to people's lives, and that's mm -hmm. a great, like, hidden True. power, whatever it is. But yeah. it's good that it's, yeah. you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a great note on which <laughs> to end. Um, I would like to thank you, ladies, thank for you. an enlightening and wonderful yeah. conversation. Thank you for joining us. These programs are brought to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York with our partners, CUNY TV. And on behalf of the American Theatre Wing, thank you for joining us for another edition of Working in the Theatre. <laughs>